0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We closed the third chapter of Rosh Hashanah on questions of Kavanah, questions of intention. And we are actually going to close the fourth chapter eventually on similar questions, on questions of intention. But before we go there we're going to go back to an issue which we've already dealt with at the beginning of the discussion about sanctifying the new moon and that is the question of the authority of the Bet Din. Who is it that carries real authority? And the Mishnah begins, so we're at the beginning of the fourth chapter now. Yom Tov Toshe Rosh Hashanah Shechal Yod B'Shabbat a Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah that fell on Shabbat. So just like this year, in fact, first day Rosh Hashanah is Shabbat. They would blow in the temple or in the Mikdash. They would blow in the Mikdash. We'll see the Rambam, we'll discuss that word in a minute. They would blow in the Mikdash, but not in the provinces. So they would blow Shofar on Shabbat on Rosh Hashanah, but only in the temple. After the destruction of the temple, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai decreed that it should be blown. And the Mishnah doesn't say on Shabbat, but that's clearly the intention. It should be blown. In every place where there was a bet, Din. In other words, according to Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakkai, every place that has a bet din is in some way equivalent to the temple. Rabbi Elazar said, No, 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 we're not talking about everywhere where there's a bet din. We're just talking about Yavne. Amrulu they said to him both Yavne and any place where there is a bed din and this plays out by the way I mean the halacha follows the Mishnah it doesn't follow Rabbi Elazar. and, and the hal- today of course we don't blow in a place where there's any old bed din but interestingly um, the um, the riff uh the Rav of al-fas R- rabbi Yitzchak of al-fas used to apparently blow that's in fez in north africa um used to blow apparently in his bet din so maybe if you have a bet din that is sufficiently distinguished maybe there you actually blow the shofar on shabbat on, on rosh hashanah and the rambam explains he actually tells us he's explained several times well okay he's writing the commentary on the whole of the Mishnah so he and he's completely consistent he explains that the expression Mikdash and he means Medina means Jerusalem so Mikdash means Jerusalem and um, Medina means any other city in the land of Israel so let's just hold on to that because we'll see the next next Mishnah will interpret itself rather nicely according to the interpretation of the Rambam, and then he explains that the reason that the sounding of the shofar is forbidden on Shabbat is it's a takana in case someone actually carries it in the public domain four cubits because. He makes it clear, the essence of blowing the shofar is not molacha. There's no work involved in blowing the shofar. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's an art. It's not a molacha. But the rabbis are anxious that we're going to carry it in the public domain. Maybe to ask an expert about it. I think that's the reason given in the Gemara, or maybe to um, carry it from place to place to blow it in public. So the sages forbid it, and of course the The reason why, along that reasoning, the reason why it's permitted where there is a Bet-Din is that where there is a Bet-Din, I think you can assume that the Bet-Din will make sure that it is not carried in the public domain. In other words, you can trust the Bet-Din to blow the Shofar without breaking Shabbat. And the Mishnah then goes on, The Odzot Ha'ita Yerushalayim Yatira Yavne. Furthermore, Jerusalem was greater than Yavne that in every city which could see and hear and was near and could get there, that is get to Jerusalem, they used to blow. In Yavne they only used to blow in the Bet Din, not in the whole city. So, and again, you can see here this, lines up rather nicely with the Rambam's ex- explanation that Mikdash actually refers to the whole city of Jerusalem because this Mishnah refers to Jerusalem against Yavne rather than to the Mikdash against Yavne and there's an episode in the Gemara which really reinforces how important this narrative is for the power of the Bet Din the Gemara brings this story when discussing the blowing on, the first blowing on Shabbat, Tanu Rabbanan, our teachers taught, Pamachat Chal Rosh Hashanah Liyot b'shabbat. one day Rosh Hashanah occurred on Shabbat, V'hayu Chal He'arim Mitkan Sin, and all the cities gathered, it sounds like everybody came in to Yavne, it sounds like they're all gathering in Yavneh. Amar Lehem Rabban Yochanem Be'zakai, Livnei Batera, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to the Bnei Beterra, we don't know who the Bnei Batera are. There's some kind of halachic group who normally, by the way, disagree. They normally disagree with the family of uh, Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Anyway, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai said to the Bnei Batera, nitka, let us blow the shofar. So he makes the proposal that they should blow the shofar on Shabbat in Yavneh. Amrulo, they said to him, Nadun, they said to him, look, let's have a discussion about it. Amarlaham, nitka, nadun, he said to them, let us blow and afterwards let us discuss. And of course, maybe there's an issue of time here as well, because the shofar has to be blown during Rosh Hashanah, I guess before it gets dark. So they, you can't just hang around talking. Well, you can talk all day, but not really, really all day. You have to, there comes a point you have to blow. So he said, Nitka Let us blow and afterwards let us discuss. Laachar shetaku nadun. After they blew, they said to him, Let's discuss. he said to them, Keren be Yavne. the horn has already been heard in Yavne. This is a famous, famous saying. And one doesn't retract after the fact. The deed is done, the horn's been blown in Yavne, we don't retract after the fact. And for that matter, he's saying, Look, we now understand which Bet Din has authority. Because our Bet Din has decreed that. The shofar is sounded on Shabbat, on Rosh Hashanah, and that's what we've done. And then the Mishnah, maybe even to reinforce the power of the Bet-Din, the Mishnah then goes on to discuss other things that Rabban Yohanan Ben-Zakai did to reinforce, if you like, in, in the name of the Yom din. In earlier times, the lulav was taken for seven days in the temple and in the provinces. Or in Jerusalem, following the Rambam, this will be in Jerusalem for seven days in the provinces for one day only and we have a pasuk there by the way we have a pasuk that we can rely on it's from emor from vayikra from the book of leviticus and it says that you shall take on the first day these four species the 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 produce of the goodly tree and the palm branches and the boughs of leafy trees and the willows of the brook you take them on the first day day so there seems to be a special mitzvah on the first day and yet Hashem shivat yamim, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days so we rejoice seven days but only, Hashem only before God and that's it's on the, the the, if you like, the difference between the one day and the seven days in this verse that originally the sages ruled we would shake the Lulav in the temple, which was lifnei Hashem which was before God. So when we're before God, we shake it seven days, but otherwise only one day. So that's the that's the original halacha. In earlier times, in the beginning, it was just taken in the provinces for one day, but for seven days in the temple. It's exactly the same language as the previous Mishnah. In fact, this Mishnah, by the way, is taught. We've learned this Mishnah in the Masechet of Sukkah. So this Mishnah is brought into our Masechet because it's taught in the same language and it deals with the same issue of the authority of the Beddin. Din after the destruction of the temple, Hidkin lulav We would take the Lulav in the provinces for seven days in memory of the temple. And he makes a further takana Yom Hanef asur that the produce, the new year's crop would be forbidden for the whole of the day of the waving so when the temple stood as long as long as the omer sacrifice had been brought the day after Pesach the new year's produce could be eaten once the temple no longer existed and the omer was no longer brought onto the altar the new year's produce was forbidden for the whole day thank you for listening to this edition of the daily mishnah podcast with benedict